we are part of the earth and that we're to follow the light. And every day is a new day and you follow that light. And even in the darkest dark, when there's no moon out, that when she turned on that light, we were facing each other, but to see the sunflowers facing each other because the light is within us. And we keep externalizing like everything's out here, but we're all intimately interconnected. Hi, everyone. It's Raghu from Mind Rolling, and I have a wonderful guest, Anita Sanchez, with me today. Welcome, Anita. Thank you. It's, I'm delighted to be here. So, An- Anita has been working and is part of a family of indigenous peoples and working with in all sorts of different ways uh, regarding uh, something that is really important for all of us. Uh, in terms of of having that return into uh, the general populace in terms of the extraordinary wisdom that indigenous people have held forever. And, uh, and of course, we've gone the other way with it uh, as white people over the last, God knows, you know, centuries and centuries and centuries of... of uh, putting that wisdom at bay by virtue of uh, our colonial activities. And that's a very general statement and could say something way more like upsetting, actually. Uh, and that's a reality. Uh, and um, Anita has this wonderful book, The Four Sacred Gifts, um, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times. So this is something, and anybody who's listened to Mind Rolling over the years, I have uh, more than occasionally talked to people who can really help uh, just invigorate ourselves, reinvigorate our uh, wisdom to be able to make the kind of changes. If we don't, we're going to be in, well, we already are in quite a bit of trouble. But So uh, can we start by just a little bit of your, like, how did you grow up and how did you assimilate into uh, the family, through the families that uh, you belong to? Yes. Well, I grew up in um, Missouri, in Kansas City. Uh, yes, there are indigenous people all over the country and all over the world. And um, my um, my family, my indigenous background is actually from Mexico. Um, mm. But my grandmother, following love, came to Missouri with my grandfather. And, um, and so growing up between her and my mom, uh, they were able to carry on a lot of the original instruction, the ceremonies of the Nahua people, uh, which many people know as Aztec, but it, we're all oh, taking really? back our name. So it's Nahua. And, um, oh. and so, but recently, uh, uh, I like, well, I come from a big family, 121st cousins. So there was always lots of teachings going on. And because an indigenous community so much, um, you're considered family. I grew up part of my life thinking I was Osage as well, only to find out uh, on my mom's death and going back to see the elders, they were like, no, 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 we just felt bad. Your grandmother and her cousin was married to an Osage, so we just took you in, and you are family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, So it's not easy when you are moved from place and space 
that is considered your sacred, your part of. Um, and that's not to say when you move, you can reconnect to the earth, but that original wisdom is how it got passed down to me in many wonderful ways, Raghu, just so many wonderful ways of how I was taught about who I am and what I am. Very different than school, from <laughs> elementary school right up to my PhD, very different <laughs> kinds of teachings. Can you just relate? Yes, I can relate. One of them, uh, one, one of them that's... Um, makes me smile. And given these um, difficult, challenging, suffering times that people are, and a lot of the other species are having, uh, when I was four, my grandmother had my older sister, my little sister over for the weekend. And she told us that she was going to wake us up early on Saturday and it would be dark. And that every hour during that day, she would take us by the garden and we had to be quiet for five minutes, which is a lot to ask of a, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a seven-year-old. But nonetheless, we loved our grandma, so we were going to do it. So we did. We went over and stood by her garden. And her garden had um, was August, humid, humid uh, time in Missouri, uh, sunflowers. And so you can imagine, we stood there, and we, we were just to be the sunflowers. So every hour, she'd bring us back for five minutes, we'd be quiet, and you could imagine, we were moving following the sun all day long. And I remember even that young at lunchtime, I was kind of sad, like, oh, let's not take too long because I want to get back to the sunflowers. And so then night fell and we went in for dinner. And then we got done and she grabbed the flashlight. She didn't turn it on. And she said, we're going back out. We're kind of, it's really dark. There's no moon. So we go out by the garden and she turns the flashlight towards the ground. And we're, the four of us are standing mm-hmm. in circle. And then she flashes it briefly over to her garden, and all the sunflowers are looking at each other. And my grandmother never debriefed anything. (laughs) You would just have these experiences every day, every moment you're with her. She, She just, and what it was is she was letting us know who we are and what we are. So I won't try to, um, you know, take it apart for everyone, but one of the things that in these times that I feel like so grateful to her is that, you know, we are part of the earth and that we're to follow the light. And every day is a new day and you follow that light. And even in the darkest dark, when there's no moon out, that when she turned on that light, we were facing each other, but to see the sunflowers facing each other because the light is within us and we keep externalizing like everything's out here, but we're all intimately interconnected. So that's just one of many, many um, wisdom that came from this, my grandmother, my abuelita, who never went to school. <laughs> oh my. And you never rebelled, you know, being uh, when you were older than that as a teenager, you know, many oh. people, you know, rebel against what When been I was little, yeah, that, well, of course there was. And there, and although on one hand, my childhood was really beautiful with all these elders and indigenous wisdom. And, and I grew up being, uh, indigenous as well as Mexican American in an all black neighborhood, which I would never trade that. I just felt like it was great. And yet at the same time, there were some horrific experiences that I had of childhood abuse that I kept silence about. And then later the murder of my father when I was 13, that was race related. So, one hand was really beautiful. On that hand, there were some really horrific things. But I truly believe that, um, no, it's just is that that connection, knowing that I'm more than this wonderful, uh, 
physical being, I'm so much more than that, that I was taught, that allowed me to keep moving. But the rebellion, it does happen because when I was growing up with that and a lot of her other lessons, I must say, I don't think I've repelled against anything my grandmother taught me. So, But other elders, I'll, sh- I'll share this prophecy, Raghu. Tell me mm. if I'm going on too long. Um, no, no. Okay, so there's this other, there's this prophecy that I am also finding every day as I greet the sun every morning, sunrise, I receive the seeds of, of light from the sun. And this prophecy keeps coming up right through me from the earth, and I feel like it's coming from the sky down as well from those seeds, is when I was little, I would hear from, from the elders who would tell this prophecy, which I now know as an adult, has a version in the Hopi, has a version from the Mohicans, uh, in the Maori, New Zealand, parts of Africa. So the way it goes is that there's this horrible, horrible destruction that's happening. And, um, human beings, two-leggeds hurting other human beings. The trees are dying. You know, um, species are dying. And, and spirit says, sing your songs, do your dance, be in ceremony, be in community. And then, Time go, there people, and just people were doing it. And then more horrific, these people come who act not like human beings that we know, these two-leggeds with a black book and this killing and we can't move the way we used to. And, um, they're telling us we can't do our practices and, and then more species are dying and there's pollution and all this different things. And spirit says, sing your songs, do your dance. Be in community, uh, um, be in ceremony and be in community. Well, I accepted all that as a young little girl, as a teenager, but in my twenties, I went, hmm. No, they missed something. Spirit must have missed something. Cause it wasn't even the elders, cause this came from spirit, right? And I was like, no, these horrible, all this death and destruction and not caring for these our plant relatives that allow me to breathe every moment. How, what, how, this is insane. We have to do something more. And then as I settled in in my practices, um, which are sweats, which are chanting, which are a variety of meditations and various prayers and things, I, I got still and I just had to have compassion and forgive myself because it's like, no, everything is in that prophecy. Because that prophecy, I was looking at superficially. Oh, we're just like, oh, ignoring, but so we're just going to go along. No, no. We are part of the earth, part of all our relatives, and we continue to be about our well-being. And out of that, out of that beingness that is whole and loving and collaborative and grateful and all of that, then we do the doing. So well-being inspires well-doing. Uh, but I did rebel against that. But I think... That period in the 20s, early 20s, especially when the only time in my life when I knew everything, um, it was so wonderful. <laughs> and then it was so fleeting. Uh, yeah, so there has, where's time? But my grandmother, if you had met and known my grandmother and my mother, you would have just said, yes, they're, she's, they're both kind of like the universal grandmother and mother. They're just, yeah. yeah. And not to say they didn't have faults, but they were so an embodiment of the womb of Mother Earth that mm. you would just smile. It's wild. You had that, and then you had, uh, as you said, childhood abuse. You, you really, boy. That's quite well, a- and I think that, again, um, 
you know, the indigenous wisdom, my, my sacredness. So it's not just, I don't want to think of external, but it's all of that is helped me to understand so that I could heal pretty early because I was in my process as a teen pretty fast. My father was murdered when I was 13. It was race-related, mistaken. He was dark-complected, indigenous and Mexican man. And earlier that day in the 60s, a man, white man and a black man were having a fight around the corner um, bar. And my dad was an alcoholic, so he would go and have a beer before he came home. Unbeknownst to him, he goes, and the white man returns and just sees a profile of him and thinks it's the, the black man, so he fires two bullets and kills him on the spot. I was 13. There were six kids. My mom, um, then at that point from nine, nine, just, we all, we all just had to move forward. Um, but I believe that that indigenous, the, the knowing I'm not alone, that I get lonely. Um, but I'm not alone. I have so much support. And I did hit low, low. I mean, I went really low in terms of wondering whether I should be alive and stuff. So I'm not saying these things are easy. And everybody's path and their healing process and forgiveness, uh, the key is to be on the paths. <laughs> it, it happens in various ways in various times. There's, mm. Thank goodness. There's lots of ways. But for me, I feel like that was a big thing, that knowing that I'm part of this wonderful hoop of life. And so even if there were periods where I didn't know if I could trust some two-legged human beings, I always trusted the trees and the earth. A rock never lied to me, um, the birds, and many of the, the other relatives. And so I think that all of that knowing helped me to move through it, including one other thing that I think indigenous people, that's part of why we're still here. It's the original instruction, but it's also our being supported so heavily to dream. So in my family, we all had dreams mm. and we would talk about those dreams. And now I take people to the Amazon and they are very much into dreams. So they get to hear each of everybody's dreams there too. But so in growing up, I knew as early as age three, I had this dream that it looked like the earth and lots of stick people, different shapes and sizes, different colors, but we all had our hands on each other's hearts. And when I went to kindergarten, I shared that dream and the children laughed. The teacher said, put away the crayons. But something happened to that five-year-old because in hindsight, thinking the five-year-old, you'd be embarrassed, like all these kids laughing at you. But instead, I felt my feet go right into the earth. And I felt like I was outside of the building. And so that, that's all the language I had for it. But I knew part of why I was here was to connect hearts all over the world. Now, I didn't know that meant getting a PhD, going all over the world, working with communities and corporations or whatever. I didn't that. But what's key, no matter what that is, it is, I know, part of my role is to not have people's backs, but to awaken to my role and support other people in that we have each other's hearts. Mm. And that means not just two-legged, it's all our relatives, all of them. Yeah. I... I asked uh, Anita, everybody out there, before we got on, by the way, do you happen to know who Ramdas is? And she <laughs> laughed at me, kind of. Uh, but, uh, you know, what you're describing is his thing day to day, especially in the last, you know, 15, 16 years of his life in Maui. It was all about cleaning up your heart and radiating hearts. 
just, it's, you know. It is. It is. And we have so much help in doing it. It's, you know, I, I don't pretend that at times it doesn't, you know, like my hair, I pull it out going, because I don't want people to think there aren't times that you get sad or uh, moments of doubt, but I don't live there. Um, I see what's present. Well, what I do is I take my energy and all the beautiful energy that's being given to me and that I shoot back out to them is to create what it is that's needed in the present and what will be definitely life-giving in future for the, all the generations to come. So it doesn't mean I forget what happened, the difficult things, or not present to them, but it's just I don't spiral down yeah. because I know, and now from just as a child with the abuse that I, and my, the murder of my father and things, is that these are things that happen outside to me, but they're not me. Mm, they're not, right. you know, we're, we are so yeah. amazing. It's just so amazing. All of us, two-leggeds and others, we're not even more amazing than the trees. Though. I don't want to do human supremacy stuff. It's just that <laughs> it's every day waking up mm. knowing that, oh, it's another day. It's a good day to heal. It's a good day to forgive. It's a good day to be in unity. And it's a good day to have more dreams, more hope in action. Mm. You know, the talking about your father's murder mm-hmm. and it, in the book, you describe one particular scene that gets, just gets to the core of the polarization that we're in. Actually, it opens up a window in into it. I may, let me tell you what it is. You tell okay, yes. me. Um, it's when the mother of the man who shot your father mm. comes to your house, knocks on the door, and you were there when your mother answered it. And can you tell that story? Yes, and I'll- yes, yes. Um, it's very important. I feel like a part I'm here be- because of that, because it's so yeah. much still happening. But anyway, yes, um, the week after my father's death, the, the wife of the man who murdered my father and oh, her wife. son, yeah, who I think was, I was 13. He seemed like he was around my age. But anyway, I was by my mom and she gets the knock and we're both there. And the woman says who she is. And she says, Mrs. Sanchez, Mrs. Sanchez, I just had to come. I have to let you know that my husband was a good man. He never would have killed your husband if he knew that he was Indian and Mexican-American. He thought he was black, and you know how black people are. And she started going on about black people. And my mom, I don't remember, my mom screamed as kids, but I don't remember my mom ever screaming at a stranger, but she just yelled Mm. and said, stop, stop. You don't even know what you're saying. You don't even know what you're teaching your son. But I want you to know that I'm going to pray for it to your soul, mm. but you get off my porch. And, and that night she talked to us, she brought us kids together and just was really clear. She really didn't talk about it a lot, but she did say that night, she said, no, you all have to understand that what happened to your father, a white man murdered your father, not the white race. Amen. And there are ignorant people out there who do mean you harm. So you do have to pay attention to where you are. However, I believe most people are good. Most people just want to have a good life. They want to be healthy and have children and, you know, all the meaningful work. She goes, but then she opened the newspaper, the Kansas City Star. My father was murdered in 1967. And 
There was the picture of my father on the barroom floor with blood all over. And she said, now this has to stop. Because if it were a white person, they would never show this. But if you're black or you're Mexican or, it, you know, it's all over. So this has to end. I, I think I, it's my choice, but I think a lot of those messages of things I had is what um, has caused me. And one part of connecting hearts all over the world is having us really learn to fall in love with each other, to play well together, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, to remembering that we belong. And um, and so, uh, yeah, so that story is very important yeah. in, in that I, I want to finish it up because where the healing came on that, because what happened to that 13-year-old, in my mind, even though I was taught all the other things about forgiveness and other things, there was something in me that said, you got, you can't trust this, you know, and that white boy could grow up just like his dad. But then in my 20s, I began working in businesses and create circles of white people and circles of people of color, and we listened to each other's dreams and how we were taught. And white people, not all of them, but many of them talked about, no, my parents loved me, and they taught me I was better than you, you people of color. And but, you know, I love my parents, and I don't believe that. And they're trying to do something different. Well, I think hearing that, what happened to me is I realized in dreams what I just told you about the woman coming to the house with her son. I had taken away his face. I could not see his face. I can see everything as I'm telling you the story so clearly, but I could not see that little boy's face. And during my work, what happened over the months and the year was I could see his face. So what happened to me, Raghu, was that something I never want to have happen again is that I started to take away that boy's humanity. I literally wiped off his face. I was becoming exactly what I was hurt by. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Mm. And to this day, he has passed away because I did try to find him. But I always wanted, I was always sending light to him and hoping that he had a good life because Oh my gosh, what I realized that that 13-year-old couldn't is that that summer day, me and my five brothers and sisters lost our father, but that white boy lost his father too. And he grew up knowing his father was a murderer. Now, some people go into comparing back and forth. You know what? We're all related. And the healing needs to happen, the forgiveness. We need to stop that kind of thing from occurring, but we don't do it from an anger or back or taking away another person's humanity. It comes from a place of love. It comes from a place of connection, of knowing not just as a word oneness, but that we are. And so that every thought, every word, every action, I can choose to be good medicine or bad medicine. And Raghu, I just truly want to be good medicine. (laughs) I fail as a human being sometimes, but I just do my best, forgive myself and keep going again because that's that's what I think Mother Earth and each other are calling for each other um, because we're really needed at this time to bring in some of our strongest medicine ever. And that's those four-letter words like love. Yeah. So my take i mean you're addressing what i was really thinking about which is the polarization and you know most specifically you turning him into not had no more face it's what we do all the time when we see anything untoward or hear anything untoward 
And the interesting thing is this woman comes with her son to your house to apologize, regardless of how ignorant the apology right. was. But that's definitely mixed in there. That Absolutely. She, most people would not have done that on multiple levels and reasons. There again, if you're lost in your pain, if you're in the midst of it, you can't even sometimes see the humanity that's right there in front of you or the life of the other species that are right here with you. You know, you, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. <sighs> Boy. Um, and that, what's interesting too, and you, you've mentioned it a couple of times, you really went out there in terms of, Consulting and uh, training, you know, uh, people around the world. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I continue I mean, to do that, and um, how it's received. I do it a little well. bit differently now than I did. It's it's like every decade gets more and more. So there was no way that I was not going to have also just my physical presence. Indigenous wisdom is really critical to me. It's really I really honor it. I I don't say it's the way. It is a way. That certainly has a lot of proof that it has value um, because anybody like me, we should be gone. And genocide continues, but we still remain. And we still remain, many of us, in a very whole way of knowing, again, the commitment to all of life, to the hoop of life. But, yeah, um, I just forgot what I was about to talk about. You said to... Um, yeah, just in terms of the work that you were doing out yes. there with corporations yeah. and, yes, and groups all and, and all mostly white people. Yes. I'm and so I bring all thinking. the, that's where I was going, is that the indigenous wisdom has come in. And it used to cost me jobs back in the 80s and early 90s. As my colleagues, since it was my company, they were, it still is. But they would say, don't answer those questions because then we don't get the work. And the two questions that always be asked was when they go to contract with you, used to be, well, we don't allow people to talk about politics mm. if you're going to be a trainer or consultant here. And we don't uh, talk about religion. And I would say, well, I won't explicitly talk about politics because, but I think everything is politics about, you know, but I, I, that's it. But when you talk about religion, we got to go further because I don't have to talk about religion. But if you're suggesting that when we're talking about human beings, honoring them, helping them to be, more effective working with each other and you getting the production that you want, all that. I can't do that without talking about spirit because we're spiritual beings too. And I would lose some, but that change actually 9-11, lots of things like that changed as I went into corporations. And to this day there, it's like, oh yeah, you can bring that indigenous wisdom. And so what's happened and the spirituality is that I keep it more upfront Rather than the the backdrop of the of the painting of the collective mural that we're all creating together as we're learning how to how to be and uh, with each other and produce and create together. Mm. So um, yeah, I so I I love that, and so it fits so much with my dream of connecting hearts all over the world. Mm. And if I can also just say a big dream just happened for me, uh. Uh, and and that was a few weeks ago. I, I got an invitation by text and it said something about come, we want you to come to speak at Necker Island. And I was like, I don't, I don't know why I know that name. And it turns out it's, um, it's in the British Virgin Islands, what I hadn't been before. And it's the private island of Richard, Sir Richard Branson. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I looked at my husband and said, yeah, you'd be crazy not to say yes. So I said, okay. All right. Okay. I'm going to go. And, um, and it wasn't until I was there that I realized, and I, so I, 
called my husband. He said, oh my gosh, kid, wasn't it like 15 or 20 years ago or something? Uh, we've been together 49 years, so we've <laughs> had a long stay with each other. And I said, didn't I say something about this house and that Richard Branson built, and it's for the 12 elders council, and he would bring President Mandela and Bishop Tutu and Kofi Annan and on and on, and the elders would sit, and then he and other billionaires and government leaders would sit on, and they would listen for days to these elders speak. And I said to Kit, you know, one day I would really love to be mm-hmm. there. I mean, I know I won't see them, but just to be there, to be in that energy. And I said that. 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And lo and behold, I get there, Ragu, and there it is. There it is. Nothing from the facts of a young girl growing up in economic poverty in the middle of Kansas City, Missouri, in a black neighborhood, being the only non-black family, or any of the other stuff would suggest that that would happen. And yet at the same time, it's not surprising at all. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not surprising. And it was really a beautiful experience. And I felt the energy of the elders there. And I know they were there supporting me as I um, didn't just talk to them about the earth, the new earth. I said, let's just be it. Let me take you in ceremony and let's be that. And then we'll talk another day. But now let's just be it. And it was beautiful. You talk about hope. This gives a lot of hope that this kind of receptivity has been going on and you bringing this in there is so great, Anita. Really. Yes, it is hopeful. Um, yes, there's still a lot that I'm not so sure about indigenous people. However, I'm focusing on too, like, let's leverage that hope that exists and other people realizing, because, uh, take this in the correct way. I know you will, but, um, ultimately, and I write this in my book, is that ultimately we are all indigenous. We're all of the earth, all the elements, the stardust. We're, we are. It's just some of us, endured, persisted in keeping that original knowledge, that connection going. And others, all the different separation or illusion of separateness that happened and domination and all of that is what ended up spreading. And so some people got detached. But that doesn't mean that we aren't all still related and that that energy, that knowing, that sacredness is in every one of us. And I, I believe that this is the time, no better time than now when we have all these challenges, climate and everything else that, um, and all the societal stuff that we, we, we need to show up. We need, I love your, you know, being here now, of course, <laughs> be here now. <laughs> yeah, that's all in there. It's in here. And there is only one thing going on, you know. Um, I, I, so in the book, you talk about, uh, the hoop. And you've mentioned it, you'll talk about it a little bit more, but um, this is from Elders. And uh, he says, we walk around on earth in our earth suits. I love this. Some come in red earth suits, some white, some yellow, some black. Take these four colors of ribbon and wrap each other around and wrap each around the hoop bringing them together in the middle and joining them with one eagle feather in the center. I mean, it's such a beautiful image of we are from the, just as you were just saying, we are from the one, regardless of how some of us have, uh, you know, it's human stuff, tried to take advantage of others 
because of their greed, need for power, dominance. And that seems to be part of the human evolution. That ignorance is it's just there so we can transform it. Yes. The the horror, of course, is the, the large amount of suffering that goes on, has gone on beyond the beyond, beyond the pale. It but, is beyond. Uh, yeah, talk yes. about the hoop. Yeah, so that, what you're talking about is um, my Mohican elder, Don Coyas, who uh-huh. had the vision of the eagle hoop prophecy. And he, uh, in his sleep time, he had this vision where this beam of light came down and hit him on his head. And in that beam of light, he saw a tree. And the tree kept turning and going through the different seasons to where it didn't just lose its leaves, but it lost its limbs and it became a hoop. And then different stars came down. And as it touched the hoop, they turned into eagle feathers. And then he had this, the voice that telling him, it's time. The two-legged human beings uh, have forgotten how to be in harmony and balance with themselves, with other human beings, and with all of our relations. So you must call out from all over the world. So he did. He went to the Council of Elders, and like we all do, we always respect our elders, so we go speak to them, and they said, well, you must do this. So I won't get into the story about how do you get 100 eagle feathers, um, but nonetheless, <laughs> the universe was on the side, so he, he did get them. But 27 elders came from all over the world, from every region of the world, from Europe, from Africa, Mm -hmm. from Asia, from the Americas. And together, they created this hoop with that ribbon that you're talking about, united in the center with one eagle feather, and then the other feathers around the on the hoop hanging. And spirit, at the end of a weekend of praying and singing and chanting and meditating, all in their various traditions and languages, they, they were there with the fire. They then put the four gifts into the hoop that spirit told them, Give these to all humankind, for this will help them to remember. They will remember how to create harmony and imbalance. And so the four gifts that they put into the hoop was the first was the gift of the power to forgive the unforgivable. Mm -hmm. You can just imagine the gift of the power to forgive the unforgivable. Oh, my goodness. We just put that in your heart because we definitely need a lot of that right now for sure. And... um. And then the second gift they put in is the gift of the power of healing. And that makes me smile. And if my sons were here, they're now in their 20s, early 30s. They used to crack up because they go, you're the only mom in the morning making breakfast that says, hey, it's another good day to heal. Like, I wonder when I'm going to heal. And they're like, I don't think moms say that. But it <laughs> is. You know, we we think, oh, my God, I suffer. So, yes, there's healing. There's little hurts and big hurts. But we're meant to heal them. We, we have this regenerative process just like because we're part of earth. We can do that. And then the third gift they put in is the gift of the power of unity. And that's what I love about the work you're doing and, and, and the people you come and speak to and the continuing on of Ram Das's love and work is that this, yes. And are we in unity? And so put that in your heart. And as you do that, you might be thinking about all the groups you belong to and who you're in unity with or maybe who you're not. And what I invite you to do is make sure you're in that. Is there unity between your heart and your mind and your body and spirit? Because mm. we need to create that unity inside too to keep creating it outside of ourselves and, and joining with the kind of healthy things we need. And then the last, the last gift that spirit said, 
Use these gifts and you will create harmony and balance again is the gift of the power of hope, hope in action. So put that in your heart. And we all have these gifts and hope. You know, there's a lot written about hope now and some of it fits more of an indigenous context, which is the kind of hope we're talking about. The kind of hope is so compelling. You're like, you moved into action. You can't get away from you. Use far more energy. Just do it. You may not know how. Just go towards that vision, that dream, that energy. Um, but others write about, no, it's paralysis. Hope just means you're laid back. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what the elders got from spirit is this hope is an energy source that all of us have and nobody can take it from us. We can choose to give it away. We can choose to bury it, hide it, but it is part of who mm. we are as these spiritual, mental, emotional, physical beings. And so this is of real power. So those four gifts, I have been using them when I heard them in uh, 1995. The prophecy came to be in 1994. So it's a younger prophecy than many that are at work right now supporting us. And um, what I began doing is when I was kind of hopeless, like things aren't changing in corporate business and women aren't rising up, people of color, GLBTQ. Oh my gosh, even white men who won't fit toward 40 too long, a little different. You know what? And I was ready to quit. I was like, anything else would be easier. And then I went, I got these gifts. And I went, uh, now this is part of what you're supposed to take in connecting hearts. So I just started weaving into everything I do. So from C-suites to living rooms to yeah. in the middle of the sacred headwaters of the Amazon, everywhere, I carry these gifts and others are carrying them out. So we have many messengers now. And um, so for your listeners, I just, um, your viewers, I just invite you, the elders invite you from all over the world. So this isn't coming from anyone. It's from all oh, that you're part of this hoop of life and we need you. And I just invite you to use these four gifts, not just once, just keep using them. And you find, oh my gosh, the things that I thought I knew as a little kid that my grandmother taught me, I'm understanding in a whole nother way of what, of what love really means. Unconditional, maybe I don't even say unconditional because if it's not conditional, that's not love anyway, but love, freedom, and then an elder before COVID happened. Uh, I was at a Sundance and Basil Braveheart, a Lakota elder, elder, amazing elder, came to me, said, um, yeah, I know you. You're like the forgiveness. You're like kind of the queen of forgiveness. And I'm like, <laughs> well, you're pretty good at forgiveness too. You, you have quite a, a rap about you. Uh, he's an amazing man. He said, but listen, the next book, you need to put this in there. I said, well, I'm listening. Um, and he said, yes, forgiveness is a pathway to freedom. Forgiveness it's the pathway to love fully, unconditionally, love of yourself. But forgiveness is also, also the passcode to your own divinity. Mm. And mm. yes. Oh, so great. So, so I just love the, the prophecy. Yeah. Thank you for asking about that and, and sharing that because mm. we all have these gifts and you can go deeper, 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 and deeper in them. Um, and that's what I've been doing and helping other people find other ways of, of going deeper. And then they, you know, I haven't had anyone say, unlike me when I was in my early twenties, like, I think spirit forgot something. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty good. That's, That's a pretty good list. All part of the human condition. <laughs> How about this? There's, there's a, there's so many great, uh, quotes from, um, indigenous people. This Ilarian Merculeaf from yes. Unangan 
Dry. Yeah, from Alaska or oh, is island right? off of Alaska. Oh, really? The world is in turmoil and people wonder what they should do since it seems like the problems are daunting and overwhelming. What the indigenous elders say is that we must change our consciousness now, shifting from the mind to the heart. So again, I'm referring back to, to Ram Dass. Who's doing no, so but much Ram in Dass- these, He was all about this yeah. in the end. He was about, okay, here's an exercise to move you from your central perspective eye in your mind, your ego, into the center of your chest, into, you can call it many different things, spiritual, heart, soul, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's that who we are. And you do it by saying, I am loving awareness. Yes. That was um, his, in the last years of his life, that was his emphatic teaching. That. Yes, yes, it is about, it is, and it's, um, and what we find is we do that, the heart. And now I know that three and a half, four-year-old as I was dreaming that and having hands on each other's hearts. This is expansive. This is not some little muscle. And again, whatever you yeah, want to call it, right. it is huge and it can carry everything. It can embrace everything and beyond what we even see. Mm. Uh, and so that's, that is what this is about now. And it does bring joy and there's responsibility that comes as well. But I'll tell you, I don't have a day that I don't wake up. Even when I'm, even when I'm sick, when I recently had a bad stomach, um, it was like, Oh, I'm so glad to be alive at this time. This is so, mm. so grateful for that mm. to be here. Yeah. You know, in this, uh, and this little uh, thing I just read. Yeah, Larian. Hilarian. Uh, um, you know, it's pretty much is stating the obvious uh, in the way since problems are daunting and overwhelming and certainly a lot of people feel very uh, dark. There's a darkness about it, helplessness about it, hopelessness about it. So when you talk about hope, it's interesting what you said. Uh, we did. I did something with uh, with Ramdas, but it was also with a uh, Zen Roshi. Her name is Joan Halifax. Mm. This wonderful, wonderful teacher in Santa Fe, and and she. We were talking just the way you and I are talking about, it, and, and in particular about what hope is. And she said, "Well, I'm I'm down with wise hope." Yes. Exactly. Okay. Not the and you describe people going, you know, poo pooing, you know, hope or feeling hopeless and you know, a cynical view. Or there's people who they put that hope out there in front, and it is okay. It's got to fulfill my personal projections. Um, you know, about being more at you know, I'll, it'll be an easier life or or whatever. You know how we. Gee, I hope the weather changes. It's really <laughs> it's all about comfort. Yeah, it's all about comfort. Yeah, about like yeah. what happened to eat out there? How come all these people are about comfort? When was comfort a high value? When have we learned and grown? Were we comfortable? Mm. And I'm like, yes, I know it's gotten crazy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so I like the term wise hope. It, it's yes, more the more hope. profound. It's for ev- for all of us to go through a shift. In whatever ways we need to, as it, as he says in here, change our consciousness. Change our consciousness. And then radiate uh, outwards from and, there. 
And also, I know it is urgent that we move, but time, even from the scientific sense, isn't what people thought. I mean, we're much more into Einstein time and other now with quantum physicists, but we we need to just move with that hope in action, but not in desperation or not like what you're describing to fulfill my ego, to comfort me in that. Um, and I will just say that it is opening in all different kinds of traditions, people I'm talking to, they're sensing just like I do in the morning when I'm receiving those seeds of light from the sun, it has dramatically changed in the last year. Those light, oh, big time. And a few weeks ago, there was another level and um, my elders in different traditions that deal with sun, they said, oh, yes, I need good, just keep going. I've only been doing it for a little over 20 years. So I'm excited about what will happen in the next 20 years. That And, and it's, help, it's all supporting us to unfold. So again, if we come from the, first of all, if you're feeling hopeless, then you just own it. Yes, look at it. Because you just the stuff that's not going to work. Because I got hopeless at one point when I was 13, too, when I, the images of a childhood abuse and that, and I thought I needed to end my life. And thank you. Um, it didn't work what I tried, and I'm so grateful. Um, but that we need to be able to, you know, we need each other. And what I forgot when I took all those pills, thinking it was time to just go as a 13 year old naively, mm. was that I forgot, but in my, throwing up, I don't know how well to say it, my body convulsing, Purging. getting rid of this stuff, is that I saw these images. I saw my grandmother and my grandfather who loved me so much. I saw my pets, my dogs. I saw my brothers and sisters around the bed crying, like, what did you do? Um, and I also saw some stories that I won't get into here, but some stories of the sacred that my grandmother had told me. And I was just like, oh my gosh, Look at all of this, but we, so that's where we need to get out of this illusion of we're alone and separate. Again, we get lonely at times, it's a human condition, but we're not alone. And I think that's a powerful indigenous thing, because when you have that, we can then shift from the illusion that we're separate. That whole separateness yeah. thing is really hurting uh-huh. us. Um, <laughs> yeah, really hurting us. We need to. <laughs> I'm just laughing because it's the core of everything. It's that, you know. <laughs> Uh, that's, uh, that's unbelievable. Um, you know, we talk about trauma and, uh, and, and I love, uh, you, you did just quote a little bit, um, of, of that, uh, elder that you mentioned, uh, but yeah, forgiveness, yeah. uh, creating fertile ground to true freedom. Right. And, and, but oh. I like the, you say in here, one of the ultimate acts of self-love is to free oneself. Yes. Right. And why? Because the ultimate acts of love for all beings is to free all beings, which is the Buddhist bodhisattva vow, nothing more or less. And uh, all these ancient living wisdoms, you know, they are true. These they are connected, and of course they would be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) of course. (laughs) When I went to India uh, after meeting Ramdas, and I met, I wanted to go meet this guru he was talking about and and so i went and met neem karoli baba but in the the first days there was nothing but there's only one thing going on in hindi it was called subek it's all one and he would list off all the great historical buddhas and what christ and everything one 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 
every day. He got us out of, I mean, we were running away from Judeo-Christian stuff and uh, into the arms of, we thought, oh, great, Buddhism and Hinduism. And the reality was he always talked about was Christ. Talked yep. about Christ, yes. uh, you know, but not from the Christian point of view. Right. From the point of view of, because he had moved it so to this, the Hindu god Hanuman, the monkey god, mm-hmm. he, that he moved us into that space, which allowed us to understand true universal love and service, which Christ mm-hmm. emblemized, right? Yeah. And so he, he turned all our gears in a moment, you know, to, to get beyond that. And, um, yeah, that kind of unity. Yes. You just gave me a gift to, you don't know that. I looked away because when you said that, I have the monkey God up here. No. Uh, yeah. From, (laughs) (laughs) uh, from, from Bali when I was there, Yeah, I've not been to India yet. So I, I'm going to start dreaming about that, that, I, it's where we're supposed to go, but I think it, you put it out in the universe. Um, but that monkey god, and yes, so our elders, indigenous elders here, will say the same thing when people start um, going into some negative things about a Christianity. And it's like, yes, there's some things that were distorted by human beings, all the different, most of the religions, I don't know all of them. Um, but then also looking at the connection and that we are all one with one hoop of life. That's what I'm, I have this yeah, physical That's action. right. That, that's what I was always taught yeah, at growing yeah. up. And it was this one, and not like this up down, but flat. Mm. All of us are part of the soup, but no one's higher, no one's lower. That includes mm. the rocks, all the minerals, everything. And I, all I have to do when I'm speaking sometimes, I'll go like this and people think I'm being, um, I've had people say, gosh, you really talk with your arms and you're so expressive. I'm <laughs> reminding myself what I'm doing here. I'm <laughs> just <like> really clear. <laughs> it's one. So I, I yeah. like the, the guru you went to and saw uh, in India. That's yes. Yes. Yeah. We are all connected. It, it's, it's nothing more or less than the hoop is what he was, uh, subback, the Hindi for it's all one. Uh, the circle of unity. Yes. You know what? I, there's, um, we're getting close to the end, but I, I have to get this last little quote in from Pat McCabe, the Navajo oh, yes. elder. Yeah, she's Diné. Navajo with oh, people of them as, but they call themselves Diné now, taking back yeah. her names. Yeah. My, uh, I lived uh, in Gallup for, I, I actually was in uh, far away, a few hours away in New Mexico, and I was, we'd have to go. My wife was pregnant and she had some complications and we were seeing a doctor in Gallup, a holistic mm-hmm. doctor. And of course that's right. Uh, in, in the and heart. Not, I, yeah, not, people. yeah. Not just them. I mean, there was another tribe right next door whose name I forgot. Um, well, you but, have the Hopi, the Diné. Yeah. There's a number of tribes there. Yeah. 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 The four Any, corners. Are- yeah. Yeah. It's, it's rich. Talk about rich tradition there. Um, so this is from Pat, uh, McCabe again. It's it's just speaking to whatever. As a young man going to finding out about all of this and going to India, it just speaks exactly that language. We are not and can never be lone individuals. We are the sum total of our actions as a species, and this is why we can leave nobody out. We as a species holding one part of the hoop of life, are responsible for upholding that part. If we do not, 
the hoop begins to, fa- begins to fail. The hoop of life does not understand, quote, unquote, us and them. The hoop of life only understands, quote, unquote, we. And this, this is, again, addressing which, uh, what I mentioned very early when we started talking about polarization and what we're in and how indigenous wisdom cuts through uh, to the heart of the matter. And, and this particular quote is just... Uh, it's right uh, sorry, there. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I I'm love work- her. That's my younger sister, Pat, Pat oh. McCabe. Uh, she's not literally my sister biologically, but she yeah. is. And we spend time um, together on lots of different panels and things. And she's just absolutely amazing and beautiful. And and when, when you talk about all of that, too, that we're not separate, that we're one, it's the we. Um, so part of what I'm pleased that people coming and wondering now more about Indigenous wisdom and, and finding their paths is that there's so many what we're talking about but they're actually grounded as well. Like how do we regenerate the earth and how do we use less water mm. and grow plenty for everyone to eat? All, all these various things that we have been passing down, um, knowing how critical it is for us to continue to have this knowledge. And so I want people to know, because I'm seeing also a resurgence of people gardening and really paying more attention to that. Uh, I think that'll be more and more, if nothing else, because of the challenges we're dealing with the climate um, you know, there's ways to do that in a healthy way and not using things that are hurtful to the earth and things. So, but yeah. Pat is actually so amazing. Um, the Diné people have lots of learning for us gr- about the beauty way, and I can't get into all of it, mm-hmm. but I will just say that um, when my sister and other Diné people talk, in beauty we walk, in beauty we walk, in beauty we walk, in beauty we walk. It's beyond just my skin tingling. It goes way out. Mm. That expression of that weeness that you're talking about, it is at every level. It is. Mm. Beautiful. Here's the book, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, that's the book, The Four Sacred Gifts with 27 Elders Prophecy, but also another 50-plus elders in there, including Pat and Alarian and... Mm. Yeah, just amazing. And young elders. I call the young ones elders rising. But I'll tell you, some of these young people come really, in. Yeah. They're no, elders. That was really they're elders, talk man. about uh, wise hope. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, hope. <laughs> yeah, that's Definitely. so great. So everybody, of course, you'll get connected to Anita. Uh, and on the show notes in the podcast and be able to uh, get connected with the book and also Anita. Uh, and you have a website. I yes. Think, yes. Yeah, they yes. can go to foursacredgifts.com and you can go there and actually you can get a free song that goes with my book. It's beautiful. Oh. It's, I love the messages. I, I love it. Um, or you can just go to anita-sanchez.com and you can learn more and where I'm talking. And, mm. um, and also the key thing is just I'm so happy that you had me here. And mm. since I did know about Ram Das and I've heard about you too, and uh, I'm just very honored. And you know, it is a time. It's a good time to be alive and to spread all these messages that we can put into action mm. to have that hope in action right now. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. This is Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com and just look for the 
many, many different podcasts from thought leaders and teachers. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.